Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before. He's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, seen recently on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and headlining on stage in Paris, France. Today, returning, I think, for her third time to The Tully Show, the radio show that arguably launched her into the comedy stratosphere. (laughs) Hello and welcome back, Kelsey Cook. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. This is 100%. I don't want to take all the credit. (laughs) It doesn't seem fair and, you know, I'm trying to fake humility for the sake of... You know, you can take most of the credit, though. Thank you, I will. Um, <laughs> last time I saw you, you were eating soup in the valley. <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. Uh, you and I both know the same amazing pho place, which I don't even think we should tell people what it is, because... If the secret gets eat, out that yeah. there's one decent place to eat in the valley, it'll yeah. be ruined. <laughs> <laughs> we need to keep it for ourselves. It's a small place. We can't have other people know, but uh, yeah, my boyfriend and I were eating there, and I eat pho like... You know, a, a monster. I just, I, I go in. It's everywhere, all over my face. Chicks dig soup. <laughs> Chicks do dig soup. They do. And, uh, and then you sent me a message afterward. You're like, "Hey, I, I was with my family. I didn't want to bother you." You probably looked over and saw me just like with my face fully dunked in a bowl of. Fun. You You're were like, mid chew yeah. when we got there. And it's not a big place at all. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't even see you. That's what's you know crazy what? to me. I'm, I'm very weird. Um, I saw you. I, I lied when I DM'd you. It's not that I didn't <laughs> notice you leaving. It's that by the time you had left, no, I was sitting. You're in the back left. Yeah, I'm in the front right, which means we're butted up against the the oh, window, and it's a yes. strip mall, so yeah. it's a floor to ceiling window. And you walked right past our table, but I'm I gotta really, really know that I know you to get up and run out of my chair and open the oh. door and go, "Hey, Kelsey," because if you're just like, "Hey," and I'm like, "Hey, I'm that guy from the radio," and you're like, "Yeah, I know who you are." What the fuck? <laughs> like, I can't have that. Oh my I would have been so happy to see you. Yeah, that was that was very funny that you're like, hey, uh, sorry, yeah. I didn't want to say anything, though. Well, I think people tend to, because I keep my, my family mostly off my social media, that uh, people sometimes assume that they're imaginary. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, these are not real people. When people like you, I feel like I've been properly vetted. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm like, oh, you can, you, can, you can see that my wife exists. <laughs> not just a bloke, doll. <laughs> That's great. Those days are in the past. <laughs> yeah. So... I was I wanted to talk to you about um Paris but yeah. but that I'm assuming sort of pales in comparison to what happened after that so let's work backwards. Oh, I okay. have a lot of questions about yeah. you performing on the Tonight Show. I was very okay. very happy that you were on the Tonight oh, Show. Oh, thank you. So, I want to know everything. Okay. How does one Okay, how how does one find out that you're going to be performing on a late night TV show? That was your late night TV debut. Yeah, it was. Um I got a phone call from the booker about a month before I taped. Um and I had known, I think for like maybe a week before that that the executive producers were looking at my tape and it's oh, that was like the longest week ever of just waiting and 
going through every possible scenario in your head, like, oh, like maybe they watched it, I just don't think it's good enough. Because I'd, be, I'd been trying for about a year at that what is point. Try, what does trying mean? Trying is um, like sending your tape to the booker, getting notes, going back to the drawing board, basically, getting a new tape. And just even, like, the process of getting a good tape in stand-up is so difficult and so exhausting because even if you have a good set... Sometimes, like, you'll go back to your camera and realize that somebody bumped bumped your camera halfway through your set, so now you don't have it. Or that somebody stood next to your camera and talked loudly the whole time, so now you can't use it. Or that you did a show in Santa Barbara this weekend and did <laughs> 20 really good minutes. Yeah. Like, people yeah. wouldn't believe that people you were capable it, yeah. of this. And fucking Mike Catherwood from the Kevin and Bean show yeah. and the Jason Ellis show was the guy holding your camera oh. and laughing far <laughs> Louder and longer than anybody else in the crowd. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah. So you know, it's yeah. It is. He's human canned laughter. It, oh my god! Now I really want to see that. I feel like you should play a clip of that for the listeners. Um, it's very hard. Or you'll you'll try and tape it, and there's only like twelve people in the crowd, and it's it's just it's tough to get a good tape. So um, you'll you'll put a lot into it. You'll finally get a tape that you're like, okay, this is acceptable to send and then you'll get notes and you'll have to do the whole process over so it was um, what do these notes like lose the joke with whatever how specific yeah um it's very like they go through it with a fine-tooth comb because you're only doing five minutes so those five minutes have to be so tight and great it's like every sentence every word has to have a purpose so i had my set typed out word for word and I would just look at it every day and see, like, okay, can I take that word out? Is there a better way to say this? Is there a funnier way to say that? Um, and so, yeah, for a little over a year, I was doing that and getting notes. Uh, the set from what I initially sent completely changed by the time I actually did it. Like, different jokes. Um, I, th- I think that I became a better comic in the process of it because it made me realize, like, oh, I... I'm. I have these long periods of time where I'm not getting a laugh. I should work harder and make more funny things in those spaces of time. Like I was almost being um, lazy. I think it's interesting. I, I learn a little something from uh, every big comedian, and sometimes I need somebody to tell me the thing that I should be learning. Mm-hmm. I was watching. I'll even say the name because I, I, I'm. It's. It makes me look bad. Not him. I was. I was at a show that um, Felipe Esparza was doing. Oh yeah. And he does not necessarily do my favorite brand of comedy. Okay. But another big comic was standing next to me, going, "God, he's fucking amazing." And yeah. I'm like, "What's so good about this? The guy's setups are jokes. The guy. The yes. guy's premises are jokes. Yes. Every fucking sentence that comes out of his, and not in a bad like. I don't know if you ever noticed on that '70s show. Uh, every single line was a laugh line. Right. So no conversation ever had any flow because <laughs> it was just all What are you chopping. doing? Waxing your ass? <laughs> Maybe I should make dinner since the last time you did it, Eisenhower was president. <laughs> oh my God. Your examples are amazing. I like that what you pulled was waxing your ass. <laughs> Oh my god! But I, I think my other job's starting to rub off on yeah. me. To be honest with you, but it, it had a flow to it too, yeah. and I was like, okay, great. That's so I don't even have to like what this guy does to really respect the fuck out of what he does and learn from what he does. Yeah, Pete Lee. Have you seen either of Pete Lee's Tonight Show sets? I don't even know who Pete Lee is. Pete Lee is he's fantastic. Uh, he's one of my dear friends. Uh, one of my favorite comics. He's like the master of the Tonight Show set, basically. Like. 
watching it is a it's like a master course in how a late night set should go. Okay. Because every every premise is a joke, but like you said, it has such good flow to it. It's he, he's the best. I think he's the best at it. So you had to figure that out for yourself to the yeah. satisfaction of the Tonight Show for five minutes of comedy, something which you are objectively already skilled at. Right. Putting together a five minute set. Right. Which I mean, yeah, like it's it sounds like it's an e- easy thing to do because it's only five minutes. But in reality, it's, I mean, it's like when runners are training for sprints versus marathons. It's compl- a whole different group of muscles and skill sets. So um, I had to, I learned a lot. I'm so, I'm so glad that it happened. But I was telling myself that in the process, I was just like, you know what, regardless of if I ever am able to make this goal happen, I'm just grateful that it's pushing me to be a better comic. Because that's something that you take with you forever is just being a better performer um so the fact that it did get to a point where it was good enough and i got booked i was i was like fucking crying on the floor in the fetal position and i got the phone call i was i was so excited i couldn't believe it that must be a fun phone call for that person to deliver (laughs) i was thinking that yeah Yeah. i was like wow that has to be such a fun part of that job is getting to just like know that you're you're basically changing people's lives especially if if you're a young comic and it's your debut because there's they have like brian regan on and people like that who giving them that phone call it's like oh okay it's one one more thing but i mean it's the biggest thing i've ever done so it really yeah it's a big thing for me so once you get booked do you get or i guess even before you get booked do you get specific advice from other comics about any part of it yeah um i i talked with pete i talked with nikki glazer um just anybody who had done the show and uh, knew kind of what that flow was. And everybody was just like, it's the nicest crowd you'll ever have. They're super happy to be there. Uh, a big thing for me was fixing my face, basically. Like, I I have a bad habit of making really extreme faces on stage, especially after I say a line. I think it happened because touring with Jim Norton and doing these theaters, I go out cold and it's like, you know, sometimes it's 1,500, 2,000 people. And I think I thought I needed to really emote with my face. And, but on camera, if you're doing something like The Tonight Show and there's a camera right in your face, if you're making crazy faces like that, it looks insane. Like it's way too much. It's theater acting compared to screen acting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I, uh, I had to train myself to just like say a line and then just smile and like let it just be a joke and not I feel like I was almost doing like joke insurance like if the actual line didn't work then I would have this face that would sell it more or something yeah it's called mugging yeah it's totally frowned upon it's hack shit yeah yeah (laughs) I've been been mugging I've been mugging everybody does mugging Yeah. (laughs) yeah I've been mugging and then uh so at that point, the material, okay, to what extent are you honing the material because you sort of know what you want to do, but you want to get it right? And to what extent are you going, oh, I want, these would be Tonight Show friendly topics that I want to do. Like how much of it was big picture editing and how much of it was like tightening the screws? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think the big picture editing was the very first part of it of like, right. okay, what of my act actually works for the Tonight Show and will get passed by standards and practices which is a very strict 
standards and practices. It's not like Conan where it's, you know, people can still do dick jokes and stuff like that. Conan. I mean, it is, it's NBC. It's, it has to be clean. I actually, one of my, I was bummed one of my lines had to get changed, like, I think two weeks before the taping because of the shooting in Florida. I had a joke that was about, like, my high school crush showed up at my reunion um, with a gun tattooed on his face. And they were like, you have to change it. It has to. So I changed it to, like, a marijuana leaf. It still worked, but it wasn't. To me, it didn't have that same punch that it did when I used to have it with the gun. But it's that was crazy that things in the news were directly affecting my my fucking my clown act, my five minutes of jokes. And it was like, wow, that's that's crazy. Well, in in this day and age, you're not a particularly dirty comedian at all that you would still be in the crosshairs of standards and practices. I mean, in that specific instance, I can kind of totally, totally. Yeah, that that would have been that that they would have any consideration or concern about what you were doing outside of that one particular word right right i guess just goes to show you it's still yeah it's still a a family show and um but again that was a good challenge for me because touring with jim the last three years those are those are crowds that if you don't give them some filth they're like what is this like they want you to be really raw and dirty and i i like doing that i mean i i have jokes like that and I enjoy it um but it was good to to practice how to be completely squeaky clean for five minutes because I hadn't really been pushed to do that before how much uh time consideration goes into what clothes you're gonna wear I'm not kidding I want to ask you about every single I love it you're you're a great interviewer um that was actually a a little bit of a struggle because to me when I think the tonight show I think fancy ish right like people the guys all wear suit and ties so you'd be wearing like gl- a dress. gloves <laughs> yeah <laughs> full, how crazy would it have been if i came out in like a full prom dress just like tiara <laughs> yeah full ball gown um so i i wanted to wear a dress but it's it's tough because i've ne- i mean i don't ever wear a dress on stage at the comedy club um and the booker and I kind of went back and forth on it because his big thing was like, I don't want you to walk out and have the women hate you. I don't want you to go out too like um, primped up and like too looking, trying to look modelish. Like I want you to, you know, look like a comic. Do you think he often has conversations with male comics about? I don't want you to dress <laughs> in a way that makes men hate you. <laughs> I don't. I do not know. I mean, you know, I'm like, gonna guess no. You look at yeah, probably not. But you look at like Jeff Dye, who mm-hmm. is a beautiful man. You know who Jeff Dye is? Nope. No. Okay. He. I mean, he's legitimate. He could be like a Calvin Klein model. He sounds he very hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he. I. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's something that he has to deal with on stage. But. Um, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're supposed to go out there and the first thing you're supposed to do is just be like, look at me, I'm an awful piece of shit. Yeah. Look at what garbage I am. Yeah. So then you can make fun of everybody else because right. you've already established that you're lower than... Yeah, you have to put yourself in the toilet first. Right, um, and who can believe pretty boy putting himself in the toilet or pretty lady. Pretty girl, yeah. Well, I, I was opening with that for a while where I would say like... I'm sure when I walked out here, you guys were like, oh, this looks like a good time to take a dump, you know, because it's like, I know right away that if you walk out and you're even reasonably attractive, people are like, eh, no, yeah. this is going to be shit. I've actually been struggling with this because I, I, I'm not super high on myself, but I don't know that I have a defining gross characteristic. <laughs> that <laughs> <I> defining? Can... <laughs> you are not gross at all, but you're so likable. You're so sweet. So, but how do I shit on that? 
I don't know. See, it's really hard. Do you want God to? God sh- damn, I like ability. <laughs> well, I feel like I have to because I, I started realizing I'm such a babe in the woods with this stuff is I'm... It's very hard transitioning what I do on the radio, which is just taking mean, low-blow pot shots at people because I'm this disembodied voice who can say right. whatever. And because this radio show, the Jason Nellis show, my real job, came from absolutely nowhere. So mm. in the beginning, we were like an internet comments section. Oh, wow. But then that's what we do, yeah. and there's no venom behind it whatsoever. I think right. everybody who listens to the show for a while knows that we have a heart of gold, but we just say mean things about people. <laughs> And I'm doing a thing about fat chicks, and I'm like halfway through Are it, you? and I'm like, I yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't even picture you saying that. Oh, I did like three minutes on, and it, it wasn't even. It's not even that bad. The thing that I was talking about was was how. I've been out of the dating scene for so long that I don't even know what hot chicks are anymore because I'll see a girl. And like when Fifth Harmony came out, yeah. I was like, oh, no, they got a fat one. You can't do that to people anymore. It's like a former child. You can't, you can't do the fat one. It just ruins them. And then somebody's <laughs> like, oh, she, she's fucking hot. Look at her ass. And I'm like, that's. That's a hot one, like a fat. One. There's I, no fat. I thought that person was, in Fifth Harmony. The first video that I saw, she had her own featured dance section where she was like shaking her big butt around, and I was like, "Oh God!" And I was like, "Yeah, I would love to get up and <laughs> up in that." And I'm like, "Oh right, that's hot now." I totally forgot. You when you first saw it, you were like feeling badly for her that you thought she would be taken down. Basically, like, oh, people are gonna go after her. I don't know if you're old enough to remember Carney Wilson. From from no. Wilson Phillips. Wilson Phillips was a three person oh, musical yes. act, and it was two. One was stunning. Yeah. One was very attractive, and one was this very overweight lady. Yeah. And there were just jokes about her for. So the the punchline there was, it was a horrible bit that, with the horrible punchline was <laughs> like, if they came out nowadays, we'd all be jerking off to Carney Wilson. <laughs> And I can't do that because there are a lot of people in the crowd who look way more like Carney Wilson or relate more to people like Carney Wilson than the hot chicken Wilson Phillips. And to me, I think that people assume that there's this implicit thing that you – I'm not saying that I'm – that I'm better than that person. I'm, right. I almost like, I talk about this stuff so objectively, I don't see myself as a part of the conversation. Okay. I'm just saying, here's what we think about this person. Here's what, how we react to that person. But right. I know it's very, very natural, particularly when I'm now in the same room as you on a stage in front of you, that if I say a shitty thing about somebody that that's like me judging them. Yeah. I feel like it's me just calling it like I see it and who gives a shit with the peanut gallery thing. Right. But, and I think that plays very differently on the radio than it does in stand-up. Yeah. Which is why I, I'm just saying I don't know that I can just establish my undeniable likability <laughs> when I go out on stage and then, and then, and then say shit things. on Yeah, no, yeah, you can't. Because it's, I think when you walk out and you're delivering your jokes, regardless of you're saying, oh, this is just an objective thing, it's coming from you. Yeah. So people are like, well, but you thought of that. And now you're saying it, so now we assume that that is how you feel. Yeah. So yeah. Which, which yeah, it kind of it kind of is. So <laughs> so anyway, That's it would terrible. just help if I'm trying to figure out. I got I got to. Are you know. losing crowds when you say that when you do that? Oh, job? I lose crowds so many different ways. It's hard for me to actually put my finger on what in particular is doing it. <laughs> Where did I lose you guys? Hating <laughs> fat chicks or <laughs> shitting on Jews? Where did I? Where did I lose you folks? <laughs> uh. E- more than anything, I uh, it just depends on the the room. I pushed yeah. my luck. I went and did a couple shows this weekend, and I did one set that went really, really well. And then I was like, I, I kind of scoped out the second crowd, and I was like, oh, I'm going to do completely different stuff. This yeah. is, and it was, 
I should have just did the shit that worked in the first show. I'm not. Yeah. At the, I'm not at that point where I can start shuffling in seven new minutes right before I go up on stage. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's tough for I just most got, people. I just got. <laughs> I just got a little cocky, and that was and that was where it went off the rails. <laughs> that's okay. That's the beauty of stand up. Is like it'll take you right back down. Like oh hell stand-up yeah, stand up keeps you so <laughs> fucking humble. I mean, people at their best. I I always hear about like people like Chris Rock or Chappelle popping into places to run a set before they're doing a special and it's like they still can bomb you know anybody can bomb i saw chris rock do a thing and i wouldn't even call it bombing because he was clearly had like written some stuff that day and was getting up to do it so that doesn't that doesn't count but it was fun to see chris rock lean on what chris rock does yeah he he did the big chris rock faces Oh yeah, because he didn't have the mugging. Because he didn't, he was mugging because he didn't have to. It's uh, you know the 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 last ditch attempt yeah. that everybody has because he didn't have the punchlines yet, and he would just yeah. sell it, and it was just kind of weird. So we'd just make a Chris Rock face, and everybody would laugh. And wow, see, yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to stop trying to stop mugging. Um, but it yeah, works it, for many people. Yeah, I know that's why it's a it's an easy habit to get into, but. Um, yeah, so anyway, I went with I went with the dress, but I, I had my hair in a ponytail, and, like, I had, like, boots on. I tried to kind of go somewhere in between where I, I still wanted to look nice, because it's the Tonight Show, and it's TV, but I also wanted to feel like myself. Because when I'm on stage, I like, my hair is in a ponytail. I'm usually wearing just, like, a shirt and jeans. Um, so, yeah, I was trying to find a balance of those two things. Did they put you up in a nice hotel? You know what? They usually prefer... Um, I think they, well, I guess they've had people from L.A. and New York. They flew me over, but I always stay with my friend um, on the Upper East Side, and she was actually out of town uh, while I was there. So it was it was perfect. I just stayed there, and my boyfriend came, so we had, like, our own apartment, basically. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And what, hap- what do you do day of on something like that? Well, I made, I don't want to say it's the mistake. It wasn't the mistake of inviting all of my childhood friends to come uh, to the taping, but I I did let myself get overwhelmed. You know, the feeling of playing host. It's like I felt like I was playing host, but in New York City on the day of the taping, which is not the way you want It sounded like you had a pretty decent cheering section in the crowd. Oh, yeah. There were... I had um, five friends at the very, very back. And, um, yeah, it was... I, I just... I met them for lunch. But even then... I felt like I was rushing to get ready a little bit, and I was like, "Shit, I sh- I should have just not tried to do all this." But it's tough. I mean, they flew across the country; they came from Washington State, so I wanted to try and at least see them. But of course, of course. And what time does that actually tape? <sighs> Mine taped at eight, eight p.m. Okay. Did yeah. you meet Drew Barrymore? I did. I did. She was really nice. She was exactly what you would imagine her to be. Like. Super nice, very warm. Like gave me a big hug. Uh, just fun, silly. She was. She was just exactly what you would think. Um, did yeah, I met her one time. I had very much the same. Yeah, she almost seems like she got famous so young that yeah. she never had a chance for. I don't know if this makes sense for like for it to ruin her because she didn't even have like an iota of a normal childhood to compare it to. Right. So all oh. she is is just like a person. Yeah. Who grew up on movie sets and yeah. did a bunch of cocaine when she was 11 years old. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Just that little part. <laughs> That's a little different, but yeah. And then, so then you go out and you do your thing. And I just talked to Pete Holmes and he was talking about having, the first time he did a, his, a, a TV appearance, I think he developed like a psychosomatic cough. What? Like he, all of a sudden he had a cough. 
But Are you serious? It just mysteriously, it mysteriously showed up like an hour before he had to go out, and just as mysteriously disappeared as soon as he was done. Clearly, his body. Oh my god! I'm somebody whose brain will instruct my body to jeopardize my brain, so I can like <laughs> relate to that. Yeah. So was he coughing during his set? I don't believe so. But he was just talking about the the horrible things that happened. Somebody else um, that he uh, I forget who it is writes on crashing. Um, got spray tan, I think, and then decided she wasn't spray tanned enough, so then she went and got spray tanned again. Oh, God. So she was, like, standing next to Conan O'Brien, and she was the same color as his hair. (laughs) Oh, my God. Even one spray spray tan is usually very dramatic on most people. That's Yeah, one's enough for me. I can't. (laughs) You're well-versed in the world of spray tanning, Mike. Um, Yeah, that's wild. Um, Yeah, it's a... I've never felt... The way I fell right before I went on. Uh, Terrified. I mean, like, I obviously I felt terrified before, but it's, there's no room for error because you don't, you don't get a bunch of chances at it. And I think in this world of social media and like self-tape auditions, you can kind of do as many takes as you want. Or if like you're going to post a picture, you can take a bunch of pictures and you can put a filter on it and you can feel very in control with what is going out there. But the tonight show, they were like... Okay, you're on. And they walk you down the hallway, and I just heard Jimmy Fallon say, like, please welcome Kelsey Cook. And then you walk out, and it's a crowd of people, and Jimmy's on your right, and the roots are on your left, and there's a camera right there. And you just, you become so painfully aware of, like, that camera is on you, and it's... You have no room to make a mistake. It's just like you have to do it right. Right. They didn't then. tell you like you're on in ten, you're on in five. Um, they. I mean, yeah, I got like a couple warnings like that, but I just mean when they say go, it's like it's really like go. And I, I wouldn't have asked you this question beforehand. It almost seems like a weird jinx, but like if you got like two and a half minutes in, and all of a sudden like you fell over and twisted your ankle or something, like they would have started it over. Totally. It's just that's what's hard. Um about doing comedy on the show it's like it's not like music it's once people know the joke they know the joke you can't really recreate it and if you do then they're just kind of fake laughing or clapping at that point um so your hope is that you nail it the first time and I don't think that they have comics redo their set ever unless somebody really insists on like no I, I really need to do it again but I don't think that would bode well for anyone I don't think it'd bode well for the comic or for the crowd, you know, it just would look weird if you had to redo it. Right, right, right. And do they, because you can't look at the camera, right? Or can no. you? Do they tell you to? They want you to look just above the camera. Gotcha. Yeah. I guess everybody does that. And you don't have your set on cue cards, do you? No, I had um, I had bullet points just in case. Mm-hmm. But even that, I was like, oh, am I being an idiot? Should I have it fully written out? Because that was one of my worst fears. I was like, what if I get out there and I just deer in headlights? Like, I just completely cannot remember what went on. Because that's happened to me on stage before. I don't, has that happened to you where maybe you're trying new material and then about halfway through you forget what you wanted to say in it? Um, that is, like, as as coughing is to Pete Holmes, yeah. that is my bugaboo about doing stand-up. If, if okay. it was okay to use a teleprompter in stand-up comedy, yeah. 
Well, I was about to say I would have zero nerves about doing well, it. Well, yeah. I'm curious to know if my brain could devise something else <laughs> yeah. that would fuck me over because that's always the form that it takes is, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And it ends up making me, uh, and where I am is no comparison. I'm doing a different thing than where you are in your career. But it makes me robotic because at my worst because yeah. I'm afraid that I'm going to forget what I'm saying. Yeah. And I have had... <clears throat> One or two or three times where I'm kind of mid-sentence and I just, you know, you look at somebody and you're like, what's that person thinking about? And yeah. then that takes you off your game. Yes. And fucking knock on wood. And, and, and the panic gets a little bit less every single time. And the less you panic, the easier it is to find yourself. And right. there are tricks that you can fix. Right. You can at least buy yourself some time. You do a little crowd work. But when it's happened to me, I've been like, I've got a cup of club soda behind me on a stool and this is an awkward time in my set for me to be turning around and taking a drink but Mike in the time it takes you to get a sip of water you need to fucking figure out what it is or else we don't I don't know if we can run to the door like (laughs) before so yeah yeah, I, I, I can that was all I could think was I was I wonder because you have to be nervous it is like the first time all over again and would you not just have every word there yeah, um, but I've also, I had been told that some people who put it completely on cue cards get a little distracted mm-hmm. because their their eyes will wander off and sometimes you'll get fixated on a word and then that throws you. So I was like, you know what, I've never done it with cue cards. I mean, just when you're out on stage, you're not looking at cue cards of your set. Speak so for like, yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're hiring people in the back. That'd be so great. Just Sam Tripoli, just like quickly holding up cards. Did you ever um, see? There's photos around Reddit this week of uh, uh, the Godfather set, and Marlon Brando's talking to uh, not James Con. Uh, it doesn't matter. And the guy's got he's literally got a huge piece of like oak tag on his chest no with way. all of Marlon Brando's lines. No way. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, hilarious. So maybe I just need to get. <laughs> Just need to put in the front put row. plants in the front row to put my yeah. set in them. I swear to God, if I'm ever doing like thousand seaters, you fuck, take it to the <laughs> bank. That's what's going on. Oh my god, that's great. Anyway, um, that's funny that your brain is the same as mine in terms of sabotaging. Like that is my brain's go to is if you are not completely like fully memorized on something, we will just decide to short out and just have nothing rolling through your brain, and then you have to do weird crowd work until you think of it. And it doesn't happen often, but the few times it's happened, ooh, that is the worst feeling. I hate that feeling. Yeah. I'm envious of people who are, that's not a problem for it because yeah. their their material is so, I always remember somebody, um, uh, Nicole, Amy, uh, had oh, been yeah. out on tour with David Hell and she yeah. just said, I'd see him every night and he'd be doing crowd work and all of a sudden he's doing one of his jokes. And I never, and I've heard all of his fucking jokes yeah. and I didn't even know that he had already transitioned into this other thing because it was oh. so goddamn fluid. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And that's the kind of shit where I like David Tell, but if you don't like David oh, Tell, I but you're a comedy yeah. I man, I, I don't know who this person would be that yeah. likes comedy, doesn't like David <laughs> Tell, but you can learn a lot from that, even if you yeah. could give a shit about the material. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And I mean, he's got a lot of reasons why he doesn't need to worry about this. But. <laughs> yeah. He's so, so brave. For sure. So then you you do your set and uh, it goes well. You feel good about it. Yeah. And then uh, Jimmy Fallon comes over and he's you still have to hold a microphone. Yeah. And he doesn't. So <laughs> and then he uh, invites you over to the couch. Yeah. How long are you actually on the couch? Because obviously you're not there a full commercial break. You don't have to be. It's right. Not live. Um, I would say it felt like maybe twenty seconds. 
uh-huh. and then Banter? we came back. Yeah, a little bit. He was super sweet. He just was like, um, he was complimenting the the last joke I did, and um, <clears throat> he's like, oh, like the the timing of that was great, and just like he was super sweet, and just gave me a little quick rundown of like, okay, we're gonna come back and just say good night, and then I'm gonna walk off, and um, yeah, just I mean, the nicest guy again, it's very similar to Drew Barrymore when you're like. Everything you would assume he is, he is. Just so nice, so funny. Uh, yeah, that was great. It's so hard to be that guy every single night. I know. I think about that. I don't know who, even That's the tough. most naturally exuberant person, because I, I know I'm, I'm terrible with guests during breaks. I'm just like, right. I do this every day. <laughs> I'm really happy to see you, but hold on, I just got a quick text I got. A, oh, yeah. No. To be that, to have to be that on yeah. To know that you can, you know, you have your thing that you worry about. I, that would be the, to wake up every morning and just go, I don't, doesn't matter how I feel today. If I'm having a weird day yeah. or if I just got some weird, te- and I'm not talking about Jimmy Fallon, but you know, I just got some weird text from my mistress who's threatening to tell my wife or oh, whatever right, it is. Oh, right, right. Just, yeah, weird celebrities Just stuff, yeah. sell the shit out of everything on camera, but still even be that guy running around backstage, high-fiving grips, popping in on first-time yeah. comics on the show and yeah. charming them. My God. Oh, yeah. It's a and gift. It is a gift. And he was so kind to me because I think he knows how much it really means to the comics that come on the show and really anybody but he's I think the only is he the only late night host who was a stand-up comic is Seth what's Seth Seth Meyers improv I think he's more improv and you know sketching us and all right and And Ferguson's not doing it anymore right Jimmy Kimmel was the juggy guy yeah so he like he gets it. Yeah. He knows that what he's giving to a young comic is the world, um, and so for him to come over and, and like take time to talk to you before the show and all that is it's so nice. And yeah, I, I can't imagine having to ramp up that energy every time and just be as genuine as he is. Yeah, I don't know why it doesn't burn people out quicker. I felt like it ultimately burned out Letterman. Yeah, and I don't know why it took that long <laughs> i know right <laughs> and For then sure. how did you celebrate afterward um uh the friends who who came to town we all just went to um the stand comedy club there in new york because uh, they've got a really great bar upstairs so we just went there and, and had a drink and um yeah i was I, I was still shaking like i came off and my legs were shaking like a chihuahua i it was so strange i didn't even know how to speak everybody's like it was great. How do, how do you feel? And I was like, I don't know. I I don't even know what just happened. It's total blur. I was kind of in shock for a while. It's kind of a shame that humans are wired in such a way that we're completely mentally absent from the biggest moments of our lives. <laughs> I know. What the fuck is wrong with us? I wished I could have felt more anchored into that moment. I think, I, I know for myself, the big learning part for me was that I need to learn how to take all the notes I was given and not feel so robotic mm-hmm. with it on stage. I'm just, I'm so like type A and people pleaser. And if you give me notes, I want to completely nail it and do everything you're saying. But I, you know, I had so many things I was supposed to do, so many different notes. And I, I don't think people notice necessarily when they watch, but just me watching it, I'm like, oh, I can see that at that part right there, I was thinking in my head, okay, smile, don't make, don't mug, and now just get into this next, like, in my head, I I was too um, robotic, I think, for... Well, 
I think you and I are probably I'm I feel like I've got a feel for you. I think we're kind of similar in the regard that you're you're well raised. Yeah. Come from a good family. Yeah. You went to decent schools. Yeah. You're probably a pretty good student. Yeah. Most of the people who do stand up comedy are um are uh mongrels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who don't have any place in our society. <laughs> <laughs> who've been constantly told do things that way yeah. and and it didn't work out for them so they had to do it their own way yeah. so i think a lot of comics get a um um fuck you i got this attitude yes. about things which when push comes to shove allows for a certain kind of focus and single mindedness yeah. whereas you and i take feedback yes and rewrite term papers <laughs> and stuff yes. like that and it's a really useful skill set but this is that's the the downside yes to that yeah god damn our stable upbringing <laughs> Fuck people, our parents. Don't, people don't realize what we're up against <laughs> unconditional love god damn it um yeah no i i agree i wish i had been um i guess i like, had better boundaries for myself and had better instincts of like okay you've got all these notes but ultimately like you've been doing this for eight years you know how to go out and do those five minutes of material so go do them and stop thinking so much about if you're looking at the right place or smiling long enough or you know just yeah I got uh two in my head about it I think yeah and I think the idea is that you're supposed to I think a lot of fighters do a really good job of they'll always say anyway well I trained and I trained and I trained and then day of I'm not thinking about anything if I didn't if I didn't know it yesterday it's too late for me to learn it today so the idea is that you do all that prep and you get crucial and then day of you just go duh and you go clear yeah and you just know that that shit is in there and you can summon it and that's the problem that I anytime I've tried to in and I hate to keep comparing my stand-up to yours but anytime I've I've tried to say I'm you know, fuck it. I don't want to go up there and be too rehearsed. I know my shit. I'm just yeah. driving myself crazy. Just get up there and do it. I have like no focus. Yeah. When I get up there. Yeah. Because that's like my. Pr- it's the same thing with with radio. I I will sit and like if if I'm doing news on on the Jason Ellis show, I'm like cramming on news until the last second. I pretty yeah. much know that stuff. But when I don't do it. Yeah. And I just hang out and BS with people, and then the, it starts rolling. I'm yeah. like, okay, wait, where the fuck am I? What am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's no way to start. I completely agree. It's it's tough, but it's, it's the best learning experience ever. I mean, there's a huge relief that if I ever do it again, I can at least tell myself beforehand, like, well, you've already done it. Oh, hell yeah. And yeah. you can't say that the first time. The first time you're like, fuck, hope it goes well. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you don't sure. blank out there. Yeah. You'll do it again because nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. It's always that thing of you can't, if to get it. To get a job, you need to have experience. But how do I get experience if I can't get the job? Yeah, the trick is always getting the ball rolling. You've done sets since you did the Tonight Show, yeah. So you've now been introduced as as seen on the Tonight yeah. Show. Yeah, oh, that's great. Thanks. That's great. That's a really cool feeling. It's it's one of those things that nobody nobody can take away from you once you've done it. It's like right. forever you've got that, and that's a really nice feeling. Yeah, wherever you're from, your local girl makes good. <laughs> I know, and I'm I'm I am from like a small town, and they went crazy. It was like all in the newspapers and on the radio stations. It is so sweet. It was it was very nice. And then you 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 were in Paris, where you told jokes to um, what percentage of the crowd had no idea what you were talking about? <laughs> now now you got a mug. Now oh, you have no choice. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um, they were mostly uh, French speaking. Uh, <laughs> some expats. But primarily 
uh, a French crowd. And what were you doing there? Why were you doing there? So why <laughs> why were you doing there? <laughs> um, do you know Gad Elmaleh? I do. I do know the name. Okay, so he is the biggest comedian in Europe, basically, um, especially France, uh-huh. and he has lived part-time in um in the u.s now for the last couple years he just had his netflix special come out and i was opening i I had done a few shows at the cellar with him in new york and he saw me and he's like you're great i want you to open for me sometime so i'd done a few weekends with him um opening for him and he started a monthly show in paris that's billed as an american comedy show like english speaking so, you know, French people come out, you'll get a taste of American comedy. Hopefully, like, you'll learn from them, they'll learn from you, that whole thing. So he and Jerry Seinfeld co-headlined the first one, or the second one, or something like that. And then he's just been bringing uh, an American comic once a month. And uh, those were f- fucking big shoes to fill, to hear that he and Jerry had co-headlines. One of them was like, oh my god, you and know. Then you. And then <laughs> And then me a couple months later, um, and I was very nervous. I tried to take out as many American pop culture references as I could because he's like, they, like they don't know who Alex Trebek is. Right. Like, you can't. They don't know who Ron Jeremy is. Like these they little don't call them French fries. It's just fries. <laughs> these little things that you you don't think twice about when you're writing your jokes, and then you get to a foreign country and you're like, oh yeah, they don't know who this is. So. I took out as many things as I could, and then there were still moments where I would get, like, halfway through a joke about Kegels, and I'm realizing I'm getting these looks like, we don't know. And so then I had to, mm-hmm. uh, I had to pantomime what a Kegel was. <laughs> Ue like Kegels. Ue Kegels. <laughs> I had to pantomime Kegels to, a, like, a beautiful theater of, like, 300 very well-dressed French people, and I'm just, like, like bent over making, like, grunting sounds, like, trying to somehow show what a kegel is i was like wow this is a weird moment in my career (laughs) that i'm in paris having to somehow do this but um yeah they were such a nice crowd though i like i couldn't have asked for a nicer group of people who genuinely wanted to experience uh american comedy and learn and it was a it was a really good experience they i i got my first encore i've never done encore i've never had an encore my life that's not a really a Thing that happens that much in the U.S. Like they wouldn't stop clapping until you came out and told them more about their kegels. Yeah, <laughs> taught them more about kegels. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I I just did not know that that was a thing. And I said goodnight and I walked off stage to get the mic stand, which they had like put off the stage. And when I walked back out with the mic stand, they were all stomping their feet in unison and Whoa. clapping at the same time. And I just was like. I, I mean, I had done all my material. I did, I'd just done an hour. So I was like, I don't have any more jokes <laughs> for you guys. But I like talked to him for a little bit and it was so nice. I've I've never experienced that before. That's cool. Yeah. 2018 has been good to you. Yeah. It's been it's been nice so far. So that's nice. And uh, I got to let you go in a second. But yeah. the, um, uh, you got the, the plug for Self Helpless on the Tonight Show. How's the podcast yes, going? Yes, it's great. Um, and thank you again for having uh, the girls and I on. Yeah, I love whatever that. Whatever that was. Um. Self-helpless has been so much fun. We are getting so much f- like fan interaction every week through emails and people being like, you helped me quit my job I hated. You helped me leave an abusive relationship. Uh, just all these things that were like, we had no idea we were going to impact people like that. I mean, we're just uh, three comics who want to talk about uh, self-help and if we think it works or if we think it's bullshit. And um, 
it's been it's been really fun. So yeah, the the numbers keep going up. The doing the Tonight Show and having Jimmy promote it definitely helped uh, spike it even more. So it's cool. That's great. Well, congratulations, Kelsey Cook, making laughs and changing lives. <laughs> oh. You are at Kelsey Cook Comedy on Instagram, at Kelsey Cook on Twitter, KelseyCook.com. And, of course, we were just speaking of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Thanks, as always. Thank you, Mike. We, or rather, uh, should I say I, are back on the Tully Show. Or rather, should I say we, because I am joined by our old friend and Tully Show executive NBA correspondent, and newly engaged man, Andrew Groose. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I didn't say congratulations. I guess you didn't. That's no. a good point. So have you decided what kind of uh, thing you're going to do? Can, are you at liberty to discuss? Do, In, you have, do you have a dream wedding? I do not have a dream wedding. We started to uh, go through potential uh, ceremony stuff and locations and did a whole personality test for that in terms right. of... No. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you like a classic loft uh, for the location, or do you want it to be on a beach? Whose or... idea was a personality test for your wedding ceremony, Andrew Groose? Uh, some website that my girlfriend found. So it was fiance not... found. Yeah, 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 right. So, but it was not your idea. So she, so you guys are highly compatible because this, you seem like a Cosmo Quiz kind of guy yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, during the test, uh, I was like, if you really feel strong, strongly one way or the other, by all means click the x instead of the check but i'll give you my impressions and i think we kind of settled on the same thing yeah that's the way that you do it is i always say in everything that involves my wife i just want the veto i don't really want a vote i'm pretty much okay with 75 percent of it if i really had a humongous issue with how you went about things in life and how you handled your business we wouldn't be together in the first place so just fine by me fine by me whatever i don't care about the forks i don't care about the music just give me the veto if you want vegan food yeah i mean i was like all right just give me something clean simple in terms of table setting i don't need extravagant flowers but like whatever you want this is your day i'm here to support and be happy with whatever and i'll tell you if something's hugely wrong with it but Otherwise, go go crazy. If you had to, and maybe you do, maybe you already have, if you had to lay money on the Warriors to win the NBA championship or the field, wh- where do you feel like your money is safer? With the Warriors. I still don't buy, and I think you'd have to lay the Western Conference. Uh, that's where the upset would happen because I don't see an Eastern Conference team beating the Warriors. I really only see Houston as a possibility. I've been super impressed with what Portland's done over the past three weeks. A I month. never understood why they were supposed how they got bad. Yeah, it just seems like Lillard has gone nuts. McCollum's playing better, and uh, Nokic or Nursif, Yersif, whatever. Not the Denver center, but the other one that they <laughs> traded is yes. playing unbelievable. Right, and watching them against the Clippers this past weekend was. Super impressive. Okay, so real quick, Eastern Conference, in your mind, who comes out of the East? I still think it's got to be Cleveland. Boston with Kyrie's injury, and I don't trust Toronto. So Homer and me says Washington has a shot, but probably Cleveland. I feel like I would bet on the Raptors. I don't know why. I think which says a lot more about where the field has fallen than where they have gone, uh, uh, what they have risen to. But yeah, you're right. The safe bet is still on Cleveland. So LeBron James will go to his 37th consecutive NBA Finals. And so over in the West. But really quick on the East, Philadelphia as a 3-6 matchup with Cleveland in the first round. 
is really enticing, and I'm looking forward to that because I think that is a possibility of an upset. Real I, I really like what Philadelphia is doing. I think Ben Simmons is amazing. Okay, and then um, in the West, can Portland seriously beat the Rockets or the Warriors? Probably not. I think they could play with the Rockets. With the Warriors being all injured right now, they're really trotting out quite a lineup. How fucked up is Durant? Uh, broken rib or rib contusion, so it's supposed to be two weeks to three weeks. But, but the first Steph, round barely matters for right. Them, and so. Steph's this is his fourth ankle injury, and Clay has the broken hand, and Draymond's been injured. But I really see it, it it difficult for any team to beat them. Who knows if Kawhi eventually comes back? But Ginobili today said they don't expect it, so we'll see. Yeah, I have tickets to see when we got Spurs tickets at Christmas. I never could have expected that I would not be seeing Kawhi Leonard play here in April. But they were also, a week ago, out of the playoff picture. They're the five seed. Oklahoma City's gone through a bit of a rut most recently after playing really well. So if San Antonio's the four seed, I don't think Houston really wants to see him in the second round. Well, nobody wants to see anybody. These are all quality teams, but I don't think there's a single NBA, just about NBA playoff team that anybody wants to see. It's just like... Are, are you concerned are you... about Utah, though? Like Utah, no, New no. Orleans... I don't really believe in, especially right. with no DeMarcus uh, Cousins. But all we're talking about outside of Rockets Warriors is 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 a top seed in the West going to lose zero games or two games in a series against the the second tier playoff teams, which leaves us with Rockets and Warriors playing each other in what we can both agree is the NBA Finals. Correct. And who wins? The Warriors. Always nice talking to you, Andrew Gruce.